Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. That stands for what the fuck. How's everybody doing? We're coming in at, uh, I don't know how many episodes I've done. 800 and something. And I'm here. I'm here in my garage, sitting amongst the piles, gathering dust Added, it's it's weird when a place when you sit down and you realize like I've been working in this place for almost a decade, right here in this garage. I, I I'm you know I've got some time and I've moved some shit around on the deck and I'm gonna start taking shit out of here and looking at it. I'm gonna take everything out, give it a good once over, and say garbage or not garbage. It's time. Blues legends. Taj Mahal and Keb Mo on the show today. Blues legends who did not bring their guitars. But, but Taj Mahal picks up my old weird guitar, the old K guitar, and plays something for like 30 seconds and I wanted it to continue for an hour. I have no control over these things. All right, there was a lot of mics. I didn't know how to, you know, two people in here, wasn't sure how I was going to do the, the music recording, then they didn't have guitars. All right, maybe I could ask them to play more, but I didn't. All right, but anyways, they're on the show, all right? So you know that. Why can't I just have fun? There are people that know how to fun. Look, I know the the world is on fire. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen from day to day, but we know it's not good. And that's a, that's an undeniable. That's a, that is without question. So that's a backdrop to uh, trying to have fun in life. I don't know if I've ever been capable of it. I've talked to you guys about this before. Some people seem to have fun. Maybe they have lower expectations. I don't know what it is. I can have, like, like I can have an okay time. You know, like for me, if it doesn't involve eating or having an orgasm, there's a big drop off. You know, those are fun. And then everything else is like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, I went on a hike today. It was okay. I didn't eat cake or cum, but uh, it was nice. It was nice. You know, I didn't think it was the right environment for those things. You, you know, some things you got to, you, you can't do at the same time. But maybe I'm being a coward. Maybe I'm being a pussy. Maybe next time I take a hike up Runyon Canyon, I should just figure out a way to have a nice big slab of chocolate cake while I'm jerking off, walking up the hill. Yeah, make it interesting for the yoga ladies and their dumb dogs. Stay away from that, man. That's not your cake. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. 
Oh, I jam with some people. That happened. Some of my rock star dreams, some of my jamming, uh, my rock jam dreams are happening. I jammed and it was it was good. I jammed with professional musicians, professional drummer, Mark Steppro, uh, professional bass player, Tyler Chester, and pro- professional guitar player, Adam Levy. And uh, we did the thing. You know, I never know what to do with jams. I don't think that, you know, uh, I guess it's just a confidence thing because I don't play with people. I got to get over that because I just listened. I just bought a Paul Kossoff record for all. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, no shit, Paul Kossoff. <laughs> Some of you are like, Paul who? What? Paul Kossoff. I just was at a record store and they had a solo album. Uh, forget which one it is. He's got a couple, but he's the guitar player from Free. Paul Rogers band before Bad Company. Yeah, that's right. Paul Ka- that Paul Kossoff died of a heroin overdose, I believe, at a young age. Had a nice tone, but I bought a record. And uh, there's an entire side that's one instrumental song, 16 minutes. Just that guy doing his thing with some band. Now, he's a good guitar player. Uh, but like, you know, I'm not comparing myself to him, but he didn't seem to be like, this is going on too long. And I get that immediately. I gotta, I just gotta like lean into it, man. I gotta lose myself in it. I gotta lose myself in more shit. But anyway, so we go do this jam and I'm trying to put together a song list. I had that in the back of my head, but I didn't really know what these guys wanted to do, whether they wanted to just, you know, <laughs> indulge me. Like, hey, let's, let's make the podcast guy happy for a minute. Let's, let's give him. <laughs> let's let him live his little fantasy so you get in and then you know you do a blues jam and you kind of figure out who everybody is and what they're capable of and obviously i'm the low man on the totem pole but i can i can hold my own all right but then it's sort of like did you bring any songs you want to work on yes i did as a matter of fact i have two i'd like to work on today if we could i'd like to work on guilty by randy newman and i would like to work on uh, jumping at shadows by peter green i think that one's a little trickier because i gotta figure out how to sing that but we did work on for an hour or so and arrange uh, a version of randy newman's guilty which is one of my favorite songs in the world and they just by chance knew because they play with somebody else uh broke down palace by the Grateful Dead, which I've played and sung before. So we did a version of that. And then we did uh, sort of an off-the-cuff version with none of them knowing the song of I Walk With Jesus by Spaceman 3. And we also sort of dicked around with Mystery Train, though uh, I play everything a lot dirtier than these guys. These guys are tasteful players that know the space, know how to let things breathe, know how to turn it down, know how to like you know change up the tone. And I'm just like... But then I'm sort of like, oh, look at it. I got this nice guitar and this amp. I can, I can roll. I can switch the volume up. I can make choices. I'm not sure what I, you know, what I want out of it all. I mean, I'm very nervous singing, and I, I got to get my voice in shape. I got to do a little more of that. I'm, I think I can do it. I'm not looking to transition, folks. Not into a woman, but into a musician. I'm not looking to do that. I'm not looking to put out a record. But I might do a show where I have a little combo and I do a few songs, a little comedy, have some other friends do some songs just to mark that off the bucket list. Play with other people, perform out, but not as a band, just do a few songs in context and then be maybe once sit in with Conan O'Brien's band. All right. Is that asking too much? Are those doable dreams? I'm going to be on Conan tonight, by the way. All right. I don't know how it went yet because I haven't done it yet. 
all right, because I'm I'm doing this early. I'm taping this earlier. If 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 everything goes as planned and nothing horrible happens, I will be on Conan tonight. That's Thursday. Okay, you got it. So Taj Mahal, Keb Mo, veterans. I would say Taj is a a an elder statesman of the blues. He's been out there doing records and touring for years. Keb Mo as well, but Taj is older. And I've known about Taj a long time, and I've known about Kevin Mo for a while, but I wasn't completely familiar with all their stuff until I knew they were coming on the show. And you know, I like blues, and these guys are the real deal. Couldn't uh, couldn't pass on the opportunity to talk to Taj and Keb, who are touring right now, learn a few things about the blues, pick their brains a little bit, and 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 have <laughs> and have Taj Mahal pick up a guitar in here and play for about thirty seconds. It was it was great. It's a great thirty seconds. It's very specific. Uh, I was happy to have them. Uh, their collaborative album Taj Mo is available now wherever you get music. They'll be back on tour in the U.S. starting next month. Go to tajmo.com for details. That's T-A-J-M-O.com. Dig it. So this is me talking to the blues masters. Taj Mahal and Keb. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts mo pull that mic in taj pull well, it in we, we'll get yeah, right up on you oh, there you are you, there want, you the, are. want the dj sound yeah here. why not uh, uh, showdown on here on your the late night show yeah yeah yes, the late night that, show uh, right here we got uh, Kevin Mo coming up with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you remember those guys? No, they serious man. The the boom, boom, Fran again, and Murray the K. You remember Murray the K? Yeah, man. Come on, it's been a long time. Yeah, <laughs> all of that, man. Yeah, been a long time. How about that? What's the age difference between you guys? Uh, what nine and a half? Yeah, somewhere nine and a half. So on some level, you when you were a kid, you, he was already going. He was going. Yeah. So you, you, there was probably a point where you're like, I know who Taj Mahal is. I got yeah, that first I found record. Taj Mahal. He, he, he came out and I 68? saw Taj Mahal at school. You did? Yeah. In '69. In '69, yeah. when you were in school. Yeah. yeah he was in high where school. at? Compton High School. Out here. Yeah. Yep. And were you playing already? Yeah, I was already playing. What were you playing? I was playing uh, steel drums, guitar, and French horn. Steel drums. How do you choose that for the instrument of choice? Oh, well, I just moved, I moved on the right block in Compton. <laughs> right. right, right. <laughs> the same thing that essentially happened to me with guitar. Yeah, what happened? Well, I mean, you know, my, we lived on we lived around the town, and and probably like three, 
three different, uh, three or four different apartment houses. Yeah. And my father got tired of it. Family yeah. was getting bigger. Where was this? In Massachusetts. Yeah. In Massachusetts. And then, uh, tragedy, but we moved, and then we moved away from that area to another place to some people who lived next door to us, uh, who my parents knew. And then one year, all of this happened. My mother, my father passed. My mother remarried. Yeah. Um, my stepfather, unbeknownst to me, came with a guitar that he put in the hall closet that I never ever saw. What kind? It was a like an a, old harmony. Or yeah, something? it was a harmony. F.O. Archtop yeah. Tobacco Sunburst guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah silver, yeah. maybe Harmony or Silver Tone. Right, one right, yeah. You know, and uh, one day in the house, I, you know, um, discovered it. And then next door to me, these kids, um, these people were from North Carolina, and their farm went down that year. And so the youngest two boys were sent up from North Carolina yeah. to Springfield, Massachusetts, to be with their older brother. Right. And so springtime comes... You know, uh, we started talking across the fence to one another. Well, what you do? Well, I, I you know, I, he said, well, you know, he asked the first question was, do, do you have a wheel? I said, what you mean by a wheel? He said, a bicycle. Yeah. I said, yeah, I got a bicycle. He said, oh, he said, good. Well, he said, you play baseball? I said, mm, okay, I'm okay at playing baseball. Yeah. He said, well, he said, do you got a bat or a glove? I said, I got a bat and a ball. He said, well, I got a glove. He said, let's, you know, you, you know hit me some sometime. Yeah. And then he, then he said, well, he said, well, I play guitar. Not yeah. even guitar, but guitar. <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, I got a guitar. He said, well, let me see your guitar. <laughs> so I, I ran in the house and brought the guitar out and came over to the fence. He said, wait a minute. He said, you got a pair of plies? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I got some plies. <laughs> yeah. And so I went and got the plies, and then yeah. come back. By the time I got back, he had unwound the G-string. Uh -huh. It was a wound G-string. Yeah. And then he took the pliers, and he pulled that string, pulled all that wire off the G-string. Uh -huh. He said, now you see here? That's the secret. He said, and don't tune it up so tight. <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> I'm taking yeah. the wire off the G string. Yeah, yeah, because it gave you an unwound G, and you could bend it and make him whine. Oh shit! Yeah, you know, and that was the trick. Same was, tuning though, no yeah. different tuning. No, no, tune down maybe a, a step, a half step, a step, a step lower. And he yeah. taught you some tricks. He just taught me, you know, he just taught me to play the basic good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then my neighbors up the street, uh, they were from Clarksdale, Mississippi, actually from Stovall, uh -huh. and. Uh, they they would I could I could go up there and ask uh, Ernest Nichols, Ernie Ernie when you get through playing what you playing would you play Boogie Chiller and he said all right and he would play it and he made get up there and play it and it would sound just exactly like John Lee Hooker on the record and Kev like you like when the when you start recording on your own it was almost like you were doing something historical like you were doing uh, you were honoring like a tradition that was pretty specific is that true. That's true. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Like, I, don't, I didn't have time because while he was, during his part of his life when he heard Boogie Chillin' yeah. at a young age, I heard Jamaica Farewell. Oh, right, right. Yeah, me too, Calypso. though. You know what I mean? <laughs> me too. I heard yeah. I heard all these, you know, Calypso and yeah. Latin, Mongo, Santa Maria. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Things like that. That's what I was listening to yeah. and trying to play Motown. Right. Yeah. So, so blues was like, later on, it was like, when I heard Taj, it was yeah. like, you know, that was the awareness 
came in. It was like, oh, well, that first record, that first Taj Mahal record, that thing is raw, kicks ass. <laughs> I just listened to that uh, again yesterday. Yeah. And it's, it's so wild because the production in the late 60s, it was like, you know, it was all, it felt like it was all happening. Oh, it was. That, it was. <laughs> That's no, that it, was what it was. I mean, yeah. it was literally this. I was with the, I was with the Rising Suns. We were all individually signed. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, it was a fiasco because none of us really knew much about the music business. Right. And they got the wrong type of people to represent us. So it was kind of crazy. We just ultimately, you know, even though we recorded all this music, we just it just was impossible to try to put anything together and from the from the record company side they we had too much we had too much variation yeah you know we were a bunch of different guys that came from lots of different traditions and we and we created a music together yeah i mean a year and a half two years after we did what we did everybody pretty much got on that same kind of train you know you which know, was bringing a lot of different stuff together right exactly you know, and and being, you know, everybody being like a songwriter, yeah. you know, and and that kind of thing. But I moved off of that thing with the Rising Suns, and then I was like maybe the only one that was on the record label. Yeah, which and label was this? Columbia. Yeah. And so I mean, I I wanted to do something, so I literally called up the president, the then president of the record company, who was Clive Davis. Yeah. And left a message for him yeah. saying that you know I'd like to talk to him about making the record, and. Uh, he did the business, I did the music. For that, this is the first record. Yep, and although his name appears as the producer, ultimately he didn't have to produce me in the sense of saying, okay, okay, Tosh, here's a tune for you to do, and here's some other tunes, and uh, what about those two tunes that he just completely left me alone? So you chose all the tunes. I chose everything. And then the, thing, the other thing that happened in terms of that yeah. was that um, the musicians, I didn't have a band, so I had just had gone and heard, um, I don't know how long before that session I had heard Jesse Davis yeah. playing with a band up in Topanga Canyon, and I just knew that this guy could play. Yeah. Yeah, because, because I didn't want somebody was another, was a derivative of the way people played, you know? Yeah. I wanted somebody who had their own sound. And of the blues, right? And he had his own sound of the blues, own feel. But when you start, so you started with Calypso, basically with that kind of music. Uh, yeah, cab? I, started, I mean, as far as playing live, what I was listening, what I was listening to was different. Yeah, than what I was. What actually were you playing? Doing. What was your first gigs doing live stuff? Like, who were you working with? The Young Calatino Steel Band from Compton, California. That was the first one, and you yeah. were playing the steel drum on that. Yes, and then you started playing Calypso guitar. No, I never played Calypso guitar. No. But my uncle who taught me, Herman Wyatt, yeah, who lived up in Cupertino at the time, yeah, he started teaching me how to Cupertino. play guitar. Yeah, he started teaching me finger picking on his nylon guitar. And the first song he taught me was, you know, how to play a Jamaica Farewell finger picking. Right, in right. C. When when did you start, you know, working in a studio with guys? Uh, my first session was a. I think I was a flop on my first session. It was a steel drum session. Yeah, and a producer came down. And picked me up, and, and from Compton, yeah, and took me at the Gold Star Recording Studios with my steel pan, yeah, and and and, they were, and the Wrecking Crew was in there. I, oh, really, I didn't let them. They was in there playing. It was the Wrecking Crew, right? And uh, Carol K was on the bass in there. Oh yeah, and yeah. I didn't know at the time. I didn't know it was the Wrecking Crew. Just a bunch of people. later on, I was like, oh shit, that was the Wrecking Crew. What? <laughs> what were they doing? You don't know what they were doing? I know they were, I'm 14 years old. I was like 14. I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> they needed somebody to play a steel drum, and they had heard it. I could, there was one down in Compton, and I was the guy that was 
the, I guess I was the best player in the band. Yeah. And I could play the pan. So yeah. he got the pan, put it in the car. Yeah. And uh, and it was, it was weird because I guess we were playing because the uh, guy that tuned the drums, he tuned them to like an alto saxophone. So when they said what key was in, I started playing the key and I was in the wrong key. Oh, no. <laughs> so you're the kid in the wrong key. <laughs> yeah. But really, my first reco real recording experience was probably playing with Papa John Creech. For, oh, he played with 70. Jefferson Airplane? Yeah. I had, 70, had, oh, really? 70, uh, one and what what were you playing on that record? Guitar. So you moved up. You, you yeah, got out of the drum. By that time I'd been in some cover bands, and I been in high school from the playing the French horn. A bunch of guys wanted to make a cover band. There was one guitar player guy, so they had an amp, and and uh, so they said we need another guitar player. So they knew I played a little guitar, so they got me, and I just learned the songs as they went. Right, just the uh, sta yeah, standards, the pops, I knew, I knew pop hits. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned, and, and what I didn't know, the other guy would teach me because he had guitar lessons at the Compton Music Center. Oh, all right. And so... Um, and that's how you came to the guitar. Yeah, I came to the guitar. So I came into the guitar from the steel drum, from through the French horn, through the jazz band, which I played percussion in. You were playing drums too, or just per, like... Percussion, like congas. Oh, oh. <laughs> Right, okay. Conga. So you're like both. You're both multi instrumentalists. Well, it's, it, I just do when, when in, the, in the steel band there was drums, steel bands, yeah. steel drums, bass, all the way through cellos. Uh, yeah, things like that. Other cello bands. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so I would I learned to play the drums. I yeah. learned to play the congas and the bongos and every every arrangement they have had in there. And then you just, and then you became a guitar wizard later. I wouldn't call myself a wizard, but I... Yeah, you're kind of a wizard. <coughs> yeah, you guys are man, you're magicians. <laughs> but I started, you know, then I started playing guitar with Papa John. Yeah. And that was an accident because he, he was on, it was on Adams Boulevard down yeah. in, uh, between Crenshaw and right Brea. Down, yeah, yeah. And there was a little soul food joint called Jet Set Cafe. Yeah. And we were rehearsed like two doors down from it. And one day, Papa John Creech and uh, Roger Spots and uh, Miles Grayson were walking down the street on the way to get some soul food. And they heard us rehearsing in this little makeshift studio yeah. on Adams. And they came in, and next thing we know, we was playing on the Filthy Funky record. With Papa John. With Papa John. So what was your relationship with uh, like with some of the guys that you were listening to? I know that that early on, I know this, I don't remember which album of yours it is where you got a picture of you and Mississippi John Hurt on the cover. Now, did you were you able to uh, to actually learn from those guys one on one? No, I didn't. Mostly, what John Hurt was watching him play because that's how I learned how to play. Right. I'm I'm, I'm a Taurus, you know. I'm from Missouri, not yeah. really, but I'm from Missouri, and you got to show me. Yeah. You understand know what I'm saying? <laughs> I need to. It's like you know. It's like I remember my dad trying to teach me some who's a math whiz. Yeah. He was trying to deal with me with math, and it's like. Okay, you can talk all that stuff out there in fantasy land you want. Yeah. But if you put 12 oranges in front of me and you take away four, I know I understand. there's eight yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. <laughs> That's how I work. Yeah. So so uh, Mississippi John, I went every opportunity. He played some little coffee house somewhere to hear him. And then I had his records. I had his you know, records. And then I listened to something. I was lucky enough every now and then to hear some of his old records. Yeah. So you hear how much they were playing different back at the time. Because by the time we got to him, he was probably like in his 70s. Yeah. I mean, late 60s and the 70s. And that picture that is on uh, um, the Recycling the Blues and other related stuff album. Yeah. Is I'm 19 and he's 76. Wow. 
So he was your guy. You thought that was well, it. No, I mean what what I what I what was what was the real thing was yeah. is that as a young black man in the sixties when everybody was getting pretty violent yeah. and there was the cities were burning and basic people basically people said, Draw a line, you either over here or you over there. And it's like, no, that don't really work, you yeah. know. You know, it isn't only two things. This is a big world, yeah. And there's other things in it. But I needed somebody to in whose music I could work with that would focus me and center me, yeah. And I, I figured that this guy's living in the in the middle of Mississippi, yeah. And he's playing that gentle and that beautiful. Then I'm gonna have to learn how to calm down in the midst of you know of right. chaos, yeah. And learn how to do this, yeah. And so. That's where that's why I was just so thrilled to beat him and see him because he. I mean, I avoided a lot of crazy stuff. A lot of people got caught up in them sixties, you know, and yeah. lost their life and and you know incarcerated and had to do, you know make some some terrible decisions. And I just was focused on the music, focused on the the culture of the music, focused on the, my responsibility. As a musician from ancient times, yeah, you know, it's like, well, what would I be responsible for if I was a musician? You know, to keep to keep the culture moving forward, yeah, have information, and so I got I got about the business of that, and and I, you you realize that at that age, oh, that, yeah. that that this was the journey. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, to well, stay in this, it's almost a spiritual journey oh, too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The input came in earlier, but the the actual practical. Uh, application came you know as i started out recording and particularly after the first three records because you know i what was going on in the world was like the british invasion right and nobody was listening to 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 the musicians here in the united states to the real guys well not yeah i mean (laughs) not only the real guys but the younger guys that came after the real guys like myself right. and others they weren't listening to us like who would you put in that list John Hammond yeah oh yeah you know, Ry Cooter yeah yeah you know yeah. um Seagull Swall Blues Band yeah. you know um uh, uh, Blues Project they just were not giving a they would just turned away like oh it, it's all coming from England and they didn't give, listen to us and so after about three records I went like you know what I'm not going to just stay in this spot yeah. gonna, I I hear more music I have a bigger cultural, you know, activity than all of that. And so I'm going to get out there and, and turn people on to what else is out here. Right. You know, this is not a monolith. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, 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 ain't, it ain't, I came over on a boat and I picked cotton, now I play guitar. No. <laughs> no. That's a little bit too, that's a little bit too limiting. Well, and they, I guess that the reason that the British guys were, they just made it, what did they do? Were they make, they made hits out of it? They, no, not so much that. They did that too. But it just was that American people, it's like anything else. Your yeah. parents will talk to you, you don't hear them. Your uncle talks to you, yeah. you hear them. Your aunt talks to you, you hear it. Right. And it's like, it's, it's just a familiarity of it. They don't really get it. Nobody said that you should hear this. Right, you right. Know, until somebody like Ellis came on and they went like, oh. Oh, maybe we oh, should hear okay. it. Oh, well, maybe we should hear it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because, yeah. I mean, for a long time, a lot of people were like, um, very upset about the whole Elvis appropriating black music. Right. But when, when, when I think it was Richie Havens was saying one day, he said, yeah, but consider it from this point of view, because he did it, you know, he said, everybody that everybody that was around him didn't think that that was the thing for, you know, a young white guy to be doing. Yeah. You know? 
But what he did was open the door for a whole lot of other folks to come through. Right. And 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 and, and I mean that's you have to take it from that point of view because if you if you look at it historically, look what happened after that. Yeah. I mean America's music went completely over to the other side. Broke it open. Oh, broke it wide open. And see, and some of those British dudes, they were always you know respectful and and right. inclusive, and right. they they honored right. their heroes right. certainly. Right. 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 Yeah, I mean, I listen to like those uh, that original Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green. Right. That guy fucking kills me. Yeah, the, the way he plays guitar. Oh, he's and, great. Yeah, and then they sat down. They did session stuff with Otis Spann. Sure. And with, yeah, and they they kind of gave it back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. That was the whole thing. I mean, in in in, in the rock and roll circus situation, um, I mean, it came. We were playing one night at the Whiskey Go Go. I was playing harmonica with my eyes closed. I opened my eyes and looked down on the floor, and there's Mick Jagger dancing. There's Keith Richards dancing. <laughs> you know, there's Brian Jones dancing. Over here, the animals are dancing. This is, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, right? <laughs> now okay. They- <laughs> so then I get off the stage, and I go over and say to him, you know, I pray it might have bloody good. You yeah, know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, you know what? I don't know what you guys got in the water over there, but it's it's happening. Yeah. And if... And if I'm hearing from some of my friends that you guys are really doing a lot of different stuff and you're communicating and playing with other people. If you ever have a project that you want, you know, us to be involved, you know, this band right here, I said, me, you know, I said, you know, just give us a holler. Did they? Three months later, eight tickets uh, first class on BOAC. Yeah. And we never, we never reached our hands in our pocket for anything else other than to buy chewing gum, cigarettes, or or gifts that you were going to bring back home. Yeah. Those guys treated us like we were royalty. And you toured. The, uh, yeah, we toured over there. All over Europe? Uh, a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. But we, we're not with them. We we did the, the, the uh, rock and roll circus, and that's when Jesse Davis met. Um, John Lennon and yeah. John fell in love with Jesse's plan and you know a whole lot of different stuff happened from that it was pretty exciting it's an amazing time man oh, and yeah. John Hammond coming back around to, to Keb I you know I saw the weirdest thing I was in, in Tucson Arizona and I and I was uh, my brother lived there and the, the Tucson Arizona Blues Society was having a night with John Hammond right and I'm like what the because I love I love Hammond I, I think he's great yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm in town. I'll go check this out. There must have been 30, 40 people there, and John Hammond with a with a national, you know, dobro, and he played, you know, to the note, uh, Robert Johnson's Hellhound on My Trail. Yeah. And I never, like, I only heard Robert Johnson do it, and it's a weird song, right? Yeah. It's almost like a fragment. It, it doesn't, it, but like it was, it, it, like he channeled Robert Johnson in that moment, and I never, un, you, it's so rare to hear that thing played, you know, note to note. In, in in real time, like it's supposed to sound like, and it was mind blowing to me. It was like the 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 I understood why he's the window in, why Robert Johnson is the the portal in. Right, right. And and, and you seem like on some of your records that there was a there was an actual like uh, you you I think you kind of channeled him too on some of those stuff, right? Yes, I did. Right at that time, I mean, like given the, the times. Where I was, I realized I was in a that I had to do something different than what I was doing. Which was the, the from the Calypso or the no, Caribbean? From blues. I had gotten the blues. I, I had started a journey because I did a record in 1980. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I got into 83, I got in a blues band called the uh, Who Done It Band. Yeah. And then from there, I started to go backwards. They were doing like Chicago, more 
BB King, St. Yeah, yeah. Louis things. Yeah. Then I started to go back and back and back. And then when I stumbled on Robert Johnson, and uh, it, was, it was the same day I learned heard Robert Johnson heard Big Bill Broomsey. Yeah. And you have to understand, I ain't heard none of this stuff. It's like, I, oh, really? I, I, really? How old were you? I was like 39. Yeah. Oh, really? And you hadn't yeah. gone there before? I, I, I was paying, I, I just wanted to be a background. I wasn't trying to be a. <laughs> A guy, the main guy, <laughs> front man. I mean, it, it, and if I was a front man, it was out of like just out of just sheer. Just I just wanted just somebody to sing my songs, but no one was singing. I would sing them. Yeah, because I wanted to be a songwriter. Right. So I said, I I heard this guy, and so the light went on. All of a sudden, like you know, that that door that was open when Taj Mahal came to high school. Yeah. There, and all of a sudden, when when I heard Big Bill and Robert Johnson. Yeah. Okay, that's what blues is supposed to sound like. Right. Because I've been hearing club blues. Right. Right. The club, you know, going jamming, people come, let's sure. just play some blues. Right, right. But okay, well, let's play that. Let's play Stormy Money. Let's play yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Shade Tree Mechanic. Let's play this. And uh, you play it, but it was not with the same reverence and regard that when you heard, you know, uh, Mississippi John Hurt heard playing. Or or Lance Man's Lipskin, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah, doing yeah. When, when you heard them guys it was like, yeah. but no, wait a minute, that's different. That's not, yeah. like, that's not, yeah. that's not like that other stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that's like the, with no Hollywood, right, there was right. no Hollywood in it. Yeah, right, no cliches. <laughs> yeah. You know, no cliches. And the no bars way. might be the bars are were not sixteen or twelve or eight. It was like could be nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> it, it could change in the song. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, no, you change. Yeah. Yeah, lightning said. Lightning used to tell them guys that try to play. He said, "Listen, you." You change when lightning change. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to follow him. Yeah, yeah. But when, when you started to approach that, that Robert Johnson stuff, I mean, that's it. it, it, it there is no uh, precedent for it, right? It was yeah, yeah. There was no, and it changed. You see, in, in that moment, my it was a it was a defining moment where my head changed. Oh right? yeah. You see, now I'm yeah. not because it wasn't like all of a sudden somebody. It was like no, there was a, there was a path from 1983 to 19. To, to 1990, yeah, you know, 991, yeah, where this thing was taking place, where also then then that when I was ready to really hear that, yeah, mm-hmm. it was played, and also and, and also too, you know, I got into and then then right after that, I got involved in theater, yeah, you know, when I met uh, Chick Streetman, who ultimately introduced me to Taj Mahal. Who's that guy? Chick Streetman, yeah, yeah very interesting character. What's yeah. he do? In Seattle, he's guitar player, guitar player, yeah, songwriter. Yeah. Singer, yeah, he co-wrote uh, "All Around the World" with uh-huh. me on the record there. So okay, so he he introduced me to Taj, you know. So all all this is happening in the same two year period, and because when, in theater, what's great about that is, you know, I was I was in this this uh, play called Rabbit Foot at the L.A. Theater Center. You were acting, yeah. Uh-huh. No, I was I was, in, I was a musician in the okay. play. I was right. acting, but in that. I got a call from Shabaka Henley, who's an actor named Shabaka Henley. Yeah, and he said, "I need a guitar player to play this role in this Rabbit Foot." And and, and, and a guy named Quentin Denard recommend you. He said you was the guy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But I wasn't the guy. No, you wasn't. <laughs> but he thought I was the guy. <laughs> so I said, "Let me check my schedule." And yeah, I saw, and I asked him a few questions like, <laughs> "Okay, I sold out. So when does this start? And how long is the rehearsal? Are we rehearsed for?" for Four weeks, bingo. Yeah. I got four weeks. Yeah, yeah. So you took it. <laughs> I took it. I went down to McCabe's in Santa Monica. Yeah. And met a guy named Fran Banish, and he started like schooling me and put me together. Meanwhile, I was handed this cassette of about 20 songs that were like from all, that I'd never heard before. From who? From everything, from, from, from Muddy Waters to like um, people I can't even. Just, Petey Wheat Strong. Yeah, all the <laughs> oh, stuff yeah, yeah. that I had to listen to. 
So you have to understand, like, so this this was like a divine kind of right, yeah, right thing that happened to me that was for this, orchestrated from the universe, right? I, for in this, my, in my opinion, this theater gig, and then all of a sudden you're handed yeah. the history that you needed, all right. the things, oh, and, and, and four weeks to. Yeah, you said, it was the Rosetta Stone of the blues. It was all there. Yeah. Everything well, wait, you that's need. not all. Yeah. <laughs> right, right after that, yeah, I hadn't really met Chick yet. Yeah. You know, right after that, um, I go. They need an understudy for Spunk, which is George Wolf. You know. Yeah. Uh, the director George Wolf. Was yeah, I, I've Mark talked Ta- to him. It's Mark great. Taper. You yeah. Know? So he was, he, he was the director. I had to go audition for him. Yeah. And he said, Nah, he. Not the nah, guy. I, mean, I was just coming. He's, he's just like. I don't know, but this is all going on behind my, you know, not in the presence of me. And Chick, yeah, Chick right. was the role. He said, no, I think you ought to hire this guy because he's going to learn it. Yeah. He'll do it. Yeah. For some reason, Chick, without knowing me, backed me up. Yeah. And so they gave me the gig. And what was the role exactly? It was Guitar Man. Oh, yeah. Spunk. Now, I got another, <laughs> <laughs> about another seven weeks with pay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to understudy, more music. More studying. Plus, I'm I'm working on under 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 a guy named under George Wolf. Yeah, he's a great genius. Yeah. All of his notes. Yeah, all when he's when he's giving notes to all the actors and notes to while they're doing it, everything that he's doing, and the background on archetypes and things and the characters. It's like mm. all of a sudden now this thing got really big. So all of a sudden I had, I had a master course in a period of about four months. That was amazing. On on basically what yeah. took you to the beginning of it. Yeah, and then once I came out of that, then that's who you met yeah. the day when Chick took me down to meet oh, yeah. John Porter. Yeah, yeah. We were in the studio uh, recording uh, Dance in the Blues. Richard Perry's old studio. Yeah, it? yeah. That They originally recorded, well, Bing Crosby recorded White Christmas in that studio. Yeah. Memorabilia. <laughs> well, yeah. well, you know, you were saying something about that, about that Robert Johnson yeah. tune. Yeah. Uh, Hell, Hell on My yeah, Trail. Yeah. You know what that is? No. And this is very interesting. Is that it's clear and obvious he had listened to, to Skip James because that tune yeah. is, is Skip oh, James. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. oh, yeah. It sounds, right. Yeah, so it's all the notes. It's it sounds like Skip yeah, James. It, it, number. But, but, but he plays it a lot faster. Skip is from uh, Bentonia. Yeah. Bentonia, Mississippi, yeah. around Bells on it, around yeah. that area. And they have a whole other, they got the what I call the Mandinka Lope in their music. Yeah. Boom, to is this, whoa, is this guitar happening? Uh, here, this one is. Which one? I'll show you what I'm talking about. It's the series Mondinka Lope. You know, which is, which is like this. So we get this thing in here. We got two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, a, that's that. Wow. That's the Montengalope. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. it. You know, yeah. It's, and, that, and that represents people who walk, they have donkeys, they have camels, goats, chickens, and that's how they move around carts. And and so the so that movement is in the way they play the music. Plus, when they like go a long distance over anywhere, yeah, and they're going. You got to have a song that you can play all day long, right? And not get tired. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where that's and that wh- keeps cycling itself around. You know, if he it, it, whereas like some blues, when it 
gets into being patterned. I remember um, little brother Montgomery was saying, he said, well, you know, you know how it is. Some of these fellows, they uh, they play that pattern blues. In other words, everything's patterned yeah. and cliched. He said, they're not really writing a song. Right. And this guy, is a, he's famous for a tune called the Vicksburg Blues or 44. Yeah. The Vicksburg Blues is one of the classic pieces of music. Uh, if I ever get the opportunity, I want to have John Cleary play it on piano and have a symphony orchestra playing behind it, and I want to walk out in a swallowtail, you know, tuxedo, and yeah. sing that song. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, because that's just, it's fabulous the way he laid it out, because he really wrote, to, it's a, a written piece of music, you know, it's just like, what Scott Joplin did with Ragtime yeah. is what uh, Little Brother Montgomery did with blues. Right. You know? And and another thing is because he's he's a Creole from New Orleans. Right. The blues came down the river from Mississippi right. into that environment. That's why it's a, uh, it's, it's a flavor. Even when they, they, they take it as a blues, it still is different. It's more melodic. Right. You know, because like, blues is like you can get the whole plate. Yeah. You know, like Big Bill Brunsey or... Or uh, Big Joe Williams, nine-string Big Joe Williams. You know, it's like the blues. Yeah. And then you go somewhere else where it's like a flavor. Right. You know, or a side dish. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Or, you, know, or you can hear it in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Basic. You can yeah. hear the blues in basic. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, down basic. Yeah, you know? I've been listening to, who am I listening to? Lee Morgan, the Jazz oh, yeah. Messengers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blues all, all up blues. in there. All blues. All up in there. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, that stuff that you were just playing... You tracked that down, like you know, you hit, you know, your that moment with Robert Johnson, but you went further back, right? You had, you went. Well, down. it tracked me down. That's it really, did. Yeah, yeah, it tracked me down. Because I mean, uh, there's the world, the modern world that we know. Yeah. And if you go back far enough, it, it you know, the sunrise is on on the ancient world, which is still out there. Sure. People are still connected to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's very easy on this side of that. You know. Uh, that semi-permeable membrane to think yeah, that sure. this is it. Right, right. No, 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 no. Yeah. You're on the wrong, you're in the wrong taxi. <laughs> <laughs> but where does that come, where does that groove that you just, where is, is that Senegal? Where does that come from? Se okay, from the, it's a Songhai Empire. Yeah. Uh, a group, Mauritania, Senegal, Gambia. Yeah. Guinea-Bissau, Guinea-Conakry, Mali, Burkina Faso, and, uh, Niger, yeah, that whole area right there, right, and that's where it all came up to that here, ropes, yeah, involuntarily, well, of, yeah, involuntarily, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, but it, it came in and banjo, you know, it's from that same area too. And and when did you uh, did you go down there and spend time down there? Oh uh, yeah, I always spent time there. Yeah, but but you know, I mean, it was like it's it's like a connection that you just have to constantly be a part of, and once once you hear that, all this other stuff hooks up to it. You know, my point was to be like, to know like the the five hundred years of music that developed yeah. after Africans were brought into the Western world. Yeah. Okay. So that in the possibility, or maybe three hundred fifty years, that one day I would actually hook up with them cats. I have something to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, cause cause some people have developed their music so modernly. That they can't communicate that anymore. 
just hearing you play that one riff for two minutes, I'm like, it to me, it's like a, it's like time travel. It's yeah, like, exactly, exactly. It, yeah, you hit it right on the head. It's transcendent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about like, you know, how things were produced back when when you were when you were starting out? Because like, I, it was kind of stunning to me when I listened to the first record that it sounded like a chess record almost. Like it's mm-hmm. you know, and now I it seems that things have gotten so complicated that it's hard to get back to that raw shit. No, it's no? not hard at all. No. No, you go through and listen to my records. You hear it. Oh, no, yeah, I know. They stay I know. raw. Yeah. No, but, but the whole point of it is is that everybody was playing. Those records were almost up, probably until the third record. Yeah. We hardly had any overdubs. Right. That was like, For I'm sure. playing harp. They're playing. The, the band's playing. We, it, we, you know, we decided how the record's going to go, the tune's going to go. Yeah. And what everybody's going to play. It's like, when that record opens up with Leaving Trunk, yeah. I walked up to the bass player and the two people I didn't tell anything about what to play was um, Jesse Davis, uh, yeah, Jesse Davis and yeah. Ry Cooter. They didn't need to hear anything. Right. They, they played by instinct. Yeah. That was what was so great about Ry. Ry had some of the uh, best instincts of, of any of the young players at the time. And you only had a certain amount of time in the studio, I bet. Well, like, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we were good. We, you, you know, I, I don't, I'm not somebody who likes to rehearse in the studio. Yeah. So I knew that I needed to really have this thing made. I think we made that album for like 16 grand or something like that back yeah. then. You know, and so what I did was I walked into to the bass player and I said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go drama come on and once i got them said i said and now say that all the way through the whole record and put yourself in there where you want yeah and then they said well how are we going to open it up i said okay here's how to open it is and i put that bebop lick on the front right we're off the band's trucking. Yeah, yeah. Cylinders yeah. are popping, man. <laughs> Dance is going, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. throw the lyrics on there. And that was it. It was for Sleepy John Estes. <laughs> because that's what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Taking the old music and bringing it into my time. And that was the, that's the whole journey right yeah, there. Yeah, right there. Now, both of you guys, like, let's talk about certain songs because, like, there, there are certain songs that you've recorded two or three times. Like I think, like uh, what further on down the road, maybe, yeah. and uh, oh, come on in my kitchen, mm-hmm. right? What is it about that tune? You know, because that's one of those <laughs> tunes that, like, you know, I, you've both recorded it, right? Yeah, you know, but you always hear more. Yeah, is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which, whatever your lesson is at the time that you learn, you know, you because you you can go in and you can like completely play exactly the way you hear it. Yeah. Okay, and you're happy with that for a while. Then after a while, you're not so happy with that, you know. And then of something, but you're not aware that something's marinating, yeah, in you. And then one day, all of a sudden, you hear it, and yeah. you gotta record the different version of it. Yeah, because sometimes fresh ideas can rot like food. Yeah, <laughs> <I> mean, like <laughs> they, they playing, the playing the the danger of having um, familiar music or some what people call hits. Yeah, you know, I've never had a hit. Right, I kind of like I kind of like, like it like that. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't turn one down, but no. I kind of like the fact that I don't have one. Because yeah, there's a certain freedom that involves it. You know, well, you don't have to follow it up. Yeah, but well, yeah, but, like but, 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 but even though even though there's certain songs that you you have to play. Yeah, for your audience. Right. And then, uh, like last year. Yeah. There's a couple of songs that I play that always work that mm-hmm. I was playing, 
and it got to about two weeks before the end of the tour, and it's like, thank God to go. Yeah, <laughs> not for, not because there's a, because because I I was my my uh, tiredness, my uh, you know fatigue of yeah. the idea was beginning to show. Yeah, in my performance. Right, you felt it. Yeah, you know you're what like, I mean. You're and faking then when it. I began, then when I began to see hints of it with the audience, yeah, I had to just cut it loose because it's it's, it's like it's, you know. So, but yeah. then if that's a big hit, then mm-hmm. you start to get that feeling. You can that's never when, stop. Playing that's it. when the needle comes in. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when yeah. the pills start coming. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that makes. You know, because yeah, yeah, it's like right. now you're eating. Now you now you're delivering rotten. Yeah. Ideas. Right. You're a you're you're a parody of yourself. Right. You're just a right. yeah, yeah. Uh, right. a cover band of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't, you don't you want to start that. feeling that and it's just really it's, Well so, shit. So come in my kitchen. Yeah. You're talking about that song yeah. has has a it, and sometimes it just takes going back and listening to the, the um, original. Yeah. The original and so why do I like that song so much? Even yeah. your even a song that you do, yeah, that you got sick of, yeah, you go back and listen to it. Like, why do they like that? Yeah, you know. And, oh and yeah. If you, if you can't find it, you got to cut it loose. And let it go. That's why Barbara Streisand doesn't sing people anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's she something about those songs, though. There's something about like, uh, you know, uh, love in vain. Come on in my kitchen, and uh, uh, like, um, like for me. For years, and again, I'm not a professional musician, but I thought that in order to be a real blues guy, uh, you've got to figure out how to do rolling and tumbling. You've, you've got to figure out how to play that song. Well, there's you know, a lot of different ways to play it. I that's know, the that's point. just the thing. Yeah, That's you, the point. You've got to figure out how to make yeah. that one your own. Yes, right. Well, all of them. Yeah. All those songs. Yeah. You've got to make all the songs your own. Figuring out why that works, and then figuring out what works for you yeah. on it, because you can't right. copy those guys. Cause right? No, if you right. do, that's that's all you're doing. Yeah. You're just I copying. Mean, well, yeah, but see, that, that some places. This, this, I'll tell you who's who. Who's was it? Jackie McLean. Yeah. Jackie McLean's an alto player. Yeah. And, and everybody used to say, but he sounds just like Bird. And Jackie says, Yeah, that's because I really just wanted to sound like Bird. I didn't care about nobody. Else. <laughs> he wasn't trying to sound like nobody else. Yeah. But the whole point was is that the majority of people that we grew up listening to, there was such a variety of musicians that had their own signature. I mean, it's like, you know, Cat comes on, he ain't played two notes and I know who it is. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the newer crowd of people, the music that they're listening to, yeah. they, may, they may play and I don't know who the heck that is, yeah. because it's just not, it doesn't have any kind of personality. To it's it. like the bar band blues, mm-hmm. like you know, like they're they're you know, like it, the weird thing about the blues is that they're beautiful and that anyone can kind of play them, but to make them your own, that's a whole different thing, and that that's the whole difference, right? Because right, you right. can, like you were saying, you're just playing in cover bands or just yeah. these bands that are just playing these blues, Bobby Bland, whatever it yeah. is. It's like a pretty good band can get through all that shit, but to really make it your own, it's that one thing you can't describe, right? Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of it is is that I think that people don't recognize that these bands came out of the same area yeah. and basically had the same kind of nomenclature and language, which which moved itself over to the music that they were playing. Yeah, and so they actually are having a conversation inside of the music the, within the band. Within the band, yeah. And see, this is what doesn't happen with a lot of guys who come in and go like you know. We want to play some blues. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't understand that it's a conversation that you have to relax and come from totally deep within. Right, and and now there's a few steps removed generationally, generationally, who they listening to. Like, you know, because, like, it took me... 
I, you know, I was older already. I was in my 40s before I really understood that, you know, the Hubert Sumlin, Helen Wolf thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? You know, because I know Jimmy Vivino, because I do Conan O'Brien sometimes. Oh, and yeah, Jimmy yeah. Yeah, you know, did that last album with, with Hubert, yeah. one of the last ones. Yeah, yeah. And just to hear what he was doing on guitar and to really isolate it and realize that the two of them and the rest of them, but like that conversation that you're talking right. about, you can't, there, there's nothing, it's, it's, it's singular. It's all, yeah. there's no one else going to do that. Yeah, and you did. You, did you know Hubert? You guys sure. knew him. Yeah, I used, to, I used to do the wolf part for Hubert. Oh, you did. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We played long. He was playing at the Long Beach uh, uh, Blues Festival. Yeah. And they called me up and said, hey, "Listen, you know we got Hubert here, and he sounds good, but he just don't sound like." So I said, "Well, okay." I said, "I'll, I'll, I'll do my best." Wolf impressions for you, and you would, boy, you would lit up like a tree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that was that was the Shape combination. Me? That, oh. that was the that yeah. was the dynamic. Oh yeah, yeah. it had to go huge, back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 also, he, uh, Wolf stopped Hubert from playing with a pick. Oh, he told him on purpose. Oh, he said, no, he said, man, don't play with because Hubert was decided that he was going to try to play with a pick. Yeah, Wolf said, play with your natural fingers, <laughs> with your natural fingers. <laughs> and you would, and, and I mean. Oh, the stuff that you were playing? It's crazy. Going down slow? Yeah, Listen yeah. to the guitar on that. It's crazy, oh, right? I mean, oh, one of some of the best solos I ever heard anybody play. Right. You yeah, know? and he li- he lived a long time, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what, when you guys, uh, what what made this album happen? You're the what? new one. The one that you guys did. The one that we're going to, that you're out doing. Well, um, what made it happen, it happened, it started happening years and years, years and ago. Years ago. Yeah? Years ago. Yeah. How so? Well, it's like, you know, there's it's the result of everything I did, everything he did. Yeah. Everything all the people that before us did. Yeah. Yeah. Everything before them. Yeah. 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 All the people that, that were born. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Related the, the to history all, of the people. The whole thing. The yeah. Guy, the guy that happened to be playing steel drums on my block, the guy that had the guitar right. happened to be in his closet. Yeah. 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 And all then that. one day, and yeah. then, and all the conversations that I heard Taj, yeah. you know, Talk about when when uh, um, he wasn't didn't know I was listening. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad somebody was listening. Listening, you know things like you know ancestral things that happen, like you know like about the you know when you work with when when when, when, when working those work songs, yeah, working on the Delta, ah! yeah, <laughs> songs that, that you can work all day and not get tired. Right, you know it's like you know like being a musician, like you can play all day and not know you worked. Right, right, right. That's the best day. That's the best day, right? Oh, yeah. You know, you're doing something you love. You work all day. You know, you know, you don't know you're working. Yeah, yeah. You don't know. That's right. So this was just a, a destiny, almost. It's just kind yeah. of. I can't even. I can't even answer. So basically, I can't even answer that question. Right. right. The short answer is, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Greg Allman uh, tribute. May he rest in peace. Yeah. May he rest you know? in peace. Yeah. And and um, we're at the bar at the hotel, and I said, well, "What do you think about us doing a record together?" And there wasn't one one answer. Was yes, whether he was serious or not. Yeah. My answer was yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. You know what I mean? But he, had yeah. he was serious. Yeah. And yeah, so I knew it was going to happen, though. See, because I, I mean, you know, you can tell when people like be, you know, f- f- fluffing past your ears, you know, and blowing yeah. smoke up your skirt. Yeah. You know, no. Uh, this was going to happen. And it, to me, it, it's, it's like I, it, it, in my life, I just have, I can't just stay at the same place gigging on the road to the, yeah, you know you got you got. I'm always that's why I'm always doing different stuff because I I see that there's more information out there and I figure that you know what would happen between us working 
you know, would be great for both of us as yeah. individuals. Yeah. And what we would put together would be something that everybody would probably in their in their wildest fantasy were <laughs> fantasizing that. <laughs> oh, what, what happened? If those two guys got there. And it was a great a great departure for me because I was getting a little sick of myself. <laughs> To be quite hey, frank, two of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so You're starting to drop into that ne- almost a needle, almost a needle. No, no. It's also you, you know, like you finish your year out, and the next year you, 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 I don't even want to go out next year. I don't even want to go. I don't right, want to right. Go. You don't want to yeah. do the work. You don't. What am do I doing? Yeah. yeah. What am I doing? What the so, heck am and, I and doing? Also, and also, because we're in the set, we do actually a lot of songs from the record. Yeah. Which is a big no-no when you have a back. Catalog people want to hear this and that and fuck them. But <laughs> you said it, I didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, well, no. Thank I, you, I mean, thank I you for saying that for. for yeah, right. Because we don't never have to say that. <laughs> we can't say that. And, and, and it's a loving fuck them. You know what no, I mean? No, no, right. yeah, because like, fuck well, you, know? you don't want it. But uh, yeah, I didn't mean to be uh, dramatic no, no, about no, the needle. No, we, but, under, we understand. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to be. A, they a, won't grow if you don't do that, right? And you but, but it, 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 they get so locked into that stuff. And when you go, we're going to do a couple of new ones. They're like, "No, let's go to the bathroom." And you're like, "No, yeah. no, no, no! This is this no, is where we're, this where we're growing." Don't tell them. Don't tell them what you're going. You do. don't tell them. Just keep it coming, and yeah. then, and all of a sudden they get comfortable. You know what? What you, yeah. you know? Because I mean, night after night, for me, I'm always going to play new tunes that they never heard. Right. I mean, I, the, the challenge is to get up in front of a bunch of people who never heard you. Yeah. And and make some music that they get with. You yeah. know, and that a lot of it is you relaxing yeah. and getting on your game. Right. Yeah. And you get on your, because I mean, I can go somewhere where I never heard a musician before and if the cat is playing, I'm transfixed. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know? That's the best thing that can happen. I yeah. went to, uh, I just went to Lincoln Center for the, like, the second time in my life, just on a whim to see Wynton Marsalis and the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra and they're doing monk tunes. Oh, yeah. Big arrangements. I can't remember his name. He was a Pakistani flautist on a wooden flute yeah. playing monk and I was like, I don't, I don't even understand what's happening, but I'm in. Yeah, you know? exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that guy from Brazil playing a bandolin, yeah, like like Django Reinhardt. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't need to know anything, right? But yeah. what's happening right now? That's right. And that's what you want that connection to the that's audience right. to be. Right. And audit, and and when you go back and you you listen, you listen, say the recordings from like. I mean, before this loss, but I mean the popular recordings of jazz yeah. and and popular jazz from the late fifth, let's say middle middle of the forties, yeah, on up to maybe almost the end of the sixties, yeah. Man, there was so many creative people. A lot. I mean, it's like I, I just I'm in a way, you know, it's, it's a shame that they only got recorded and, and you know are sitting in vault someplace yeah but i'm really glad it got recorded it's out there somewhere i mean it really is a, it really is a output for people in the intellectual property yeah. creativity is it's phenomenal there's so much now you know and there's enough that they keep and people ter- used to listen man. yeah oh yeah you it know. was all over the place. Yeah, that I was, mean, it's amazing that that's what music used to be. You go to a, a dance and there'd be twenty guys on the bandstand. You right. know, like that was the band. Yeah, right. 20. Or or you'd have a band and they'd run twenty people through <laughs> the band. <laughs> right. Everybody right. had two or three well, yeah, songs. And we yeah. had time to listen. Right. Yeah. 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 We yeah. still have it. We just don't think we have it. Yeah. We're, we're trying we're, to keep we, up we've with been other sidetracked. Big time. We've been bamboozled. Yes, we have. We've been bushwhacked. <laughs> We've been snockered. We've been snowjobbed. 
We yeah. could keep on going on that railroad. <laughs> but so, you knew this ship was going to Shanghai when you got on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seemed like the, the the record when I listened to it, like it makes co- total sense knowing more about you and knowing what you got, what you're into. That you know, you both have this range of of experience with different musical styles that they're all just going to weave in and out. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah, all people have that. They just don't know it because well, that's what your job is. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, they just don't know it. It's just that you know most people have been exposed primarily to you know popular music. Popular music. Yeah. I mean, I came to popular music at long after what I've heard. Yeah. You know, gospel music from my mother from the South. Yeah. Caribbean music from my father from the Caribbean. You know, That's really jazz. funny. <laughs> the same thing, though. though. But gospel, a different way. Carib- Caribbean. Yeah, yeah the Yours gospel from your, Caribbean. From your, from your family. Yeah. yeah. And my Caribbean experience came from down the street. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you just yeah, heard yeah. it. Church, but the church, yeah. I, we went yeah, to church every yeah. Sunday. You go yeah. to church. Yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Church. Now we got off easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Some of them had to go yeah. to church every night. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they were making sure they knew where you were. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, they went. They went. They went on two things open after midnight up in there. <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. It's like it's so. It was. It's just so exciting, and people could have so so much more. Uh, an expansive experience, you know, if they get, just get to hear what's out there and, 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 you know, not, you know, pull the blanket over the top of their head and look at their, uh, you know, their cell phone yeah. and their, 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 their listening device. I mean, it, this, that's it. And it's all out there. That's the weird mm-hmm. thing because I just started, like, I grew up like that. I mean, I, I was turned on to, to blues and turned on to, you know, experimental music. I had people in my life that say like the guy at the record store right. that gives you the thing you're right. like what is right. this and you bring it home like where does this even exist you know yeah and you get that experience what well, the beautiful thing about music is that there's no late to the party because no. the party's always going on that's right and you can just go find it and there's never a shortage like you were nope. saying before like what the fuck is this yeah. and it's like all new mm-hmm. all, no matter how old it is yeah. I just bought three Dizzy Gillespie albums yeah. I never listened to a Dizzy Gillespie album until last week really? yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he grew up like three and a half miles from where my mother grew up in South Carolina oh yeah? yeah his, his, his aunt Thelma delivered my uncle Elmo oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, just was, I was just out on, out on tour with the Hendrix Hendrix experience oh with Zappa with uh, Dweezil Dweezil turned me on all his dad stuff that's a whole other world whole other thing Zappa the whole Zappa thing it's crazy yeah (laughs) Yeah. he told me the story about his dad how he got into music he taught himself everything how to orchestrate how to play by going to the library yeah oh yeah like you know Oh, that's yeah. Apple World. <laughs> I remember when those kids were born, man. <laughs> yeah? Were you over at the house? Well, yeah. I, I used to hang out with Medusa back in those days. Right, right. From the GTO. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, when did you come to L.A. the first time? 65. I came to L.A. and stayed. I never went. And from, and from 65? 65 on. I've been out on the, on the West Coast or somewhere out here. So you were, you knew all those guys. All those characters. Running around Laurel Canyon, all no, the crazy. That's, that, that's, that's when it started on that side. I mean... I used to I used to be uh, the bouncer at the Ash Grove. Where's that? Um, you know where the Improv is? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, on Melrose, eighty one sixty two Melrose Avenue. That used to be the Ash Grove. That was the hippest club in the United States of America. What was there? They played nothing but like Mississippi John Hurt, Booker White, Lightning Hopkins, Clifton Shinier. And you were the door I guy. Knew, I was the doorman. In sixty five, sixty five, and then and then the Rising Sun started. 
And so I was only the door guy sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes I was on stage. You know, and so you were taking all that in. Hey, man, for those Whoa. guys to be playing, Joseph Spence, I mean, you name them when they played there. The real stuff was there all the time. So that was that was a that was it. That was like that was the mind blowing experience, right? Oh yeah, you're you just could, there. You could find them at the but see back east it was like the Newport Pro Festival. Right. You know, the Club forty seven in Cambridge, you know, all that stuff down in New York, you know, and the cafes and Bitter End and Bitter stuff. Bitter End, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, uh Gertie Spoke City, mm-hmm. all that New York stuff, you know, Cafe Wa. Mm-hmm. And then there was you know, the Philadelphia Folk Festival is the second fret. There was a Turk's Head in Boston. There was, um, you know, there was a lot of folk clubs. And these guys, when they would come into the area, Which, they were, you know. Yeah, Sonny Terry Brown. Oh, yeah, they played, lots. Yeah, lots they of were them. all part of that folk yep, scene. Yep, but yeah. you, But I imagine that your time there in the mid-60s, just being there and working there and seeing all that shit every night, that must have just, like, opened it up. Oh yeah, well, 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 yeah. You you got an idea that this wasn't just some, um, you know, some somebody's thesis that was <laughs> gathering dust in the back of a university. <laughs> right, right. You know, this is living like, music. This is the this is, this is the living, breathing people. Yeah. Plus, they didn't come there and play one night. They came and, and hung out for the week or two or three nights. Yeah. So you got a chance to relax into what it was that they were playing, and so did they. You know? I saw Big Mama Thornton and Jonathan Swift's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, I know. John, I you probably there, right sure. downstairs, right? Yeah. That, be, that became a comedy club, too, weirdly. Oh, really? Yep. That was the place. I knew what happened to Jonathan Swift's. Uh, uh, Robert Cray was opening for me. And I remember everybody was talking about Robert Cray, Robert Cray, Robert Cray, Robert Cray. Have you seen Robert Cray? <laughs> Robert Cray, Robert Cray, Robert Cray, Robert Cray, Robert Cray. Yeah. So I, had, I finally got to hear the record. And uh, it was a strong persuader. I think yeah. It was the first one. And and I said, yeah, get playing. Yeah. More more of a soul blues sound. Right. You know, Stratocaster, right? Yeah, yeah, Straight yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So then I, so then he he opened for me playing. I was playing solo, and he opened for me playing. The band got playing up on the stage. I said hello to him. The band got playing on the stage, and he, about the middle of the set, I came out of the back room and I stood there and I looked up at him, and and and. I didn't know it made him as nervous as it did. Yeah. But anyway, after the set, he came in, driving up. He said, "Wow, man, uh, uh, you know, why why did you come out in the middle of the set and look at me like that?" And I said, "Cause my work is done." <laughs> <laughs> and he got it. He got it. I used to tease him because I, I, I used to tease Otis Clay because I say Otis Clay, say you sure you ain't Robert Gray's daddy? <laughs> Otis said not like that. You sure you ain't Robert Gray's daddy? You know, back like five nights back then. I remember in my neighborhood down in the Po Region room, all those clubs. Yeah, Po Region room. There. Yeah. Down there, where and the, the Ashgrove, I lived around the corner from Ashgrove in '71. Yeah. It was still going the last days of it. Yeah, and I went in there a couple of times just to check and see what was going on. Yeah, and uh, but before the onset of high ticket prices and right. things right. like that, ours you had to come. You play a week. Yeah, Carl right. McCray would be down there for a week. Sure. Jimmy Smith would come down there. He played for a week. Yeah, oh, because they, and, they had to make it worth the the, yeah. the trip. You got to play a week. Part of the place was called apartment on the Honeycomb, and the Dale Phoenix would come and they yeah. play yeah. a week. Wow! <laughs> yeah, and you get to yeah. hear them and hear that beautiful music yeah, but every to get night. Enough people in there to to pay to pay the to keep them yeah. in the room. Yeah, and then people probably see them two or three times, just sure. keep coming back. And when you, how this is a weird question because I like you know I, I how do you not 
Because like a lot of blues, I guess I just got to, you know, I'm looking for a guitar lesson now. But I, I mean, I can do the, I, I'm pretty good with the pentatonics and the licks and the riffs. But like, how do you like get to the next place? <laughs> I want which, to get, which, what place are you talking about? Well, like, how do I do what you just did for two seconds? Oh, I, they, I can, believe me, I can't, I, you know what, what I did is I deconstructed Skip James's, uh, one of Skip James's tunes, and instead of, because he played an open D minor. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. And, which is the same thing that, uh, yeah, I saw him there too, uh, Albert Collins. Yeah. The, Albert Collins on a Telecaster cables up five or seven. Yeah. And plays in open D minor. Really? When it's, yes. Yeah. When it's open down here. It's open D minor. Well, what I did is, what I'm, like I'm saying, it's all about listening to the music. Yeah. There's still actually one thing that's that Robert Junior Lockwood does that he learned from Robert Johnson that every once in a while it sneaks out. But you notice how when he's playing that the high string is always ringing, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, there's a certain kind of way you gotta you gotta be conscious of playing playing that way. But what I did was deconstruct um, uh, Skip James into standard tuning. Oh, okay. And just figure out where the strings are are uh, sympathetically a... vibrating with one another. Right, right. All that older music is all about sympathetic vibration. Right, right. I mean, it's serious. Yeah. And they got no frets. Right, <laughs> right. That's what's right. killing me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, perfectly in tune <laughs> and no frets. It's <laughs> tricky. Okay. Uh, and you had little like you have some like uh, uh, there's even on this record there's a lead on one of the songs that seems to it feels like blues but then you do these little calypso flourishes almost I don't know what they are <laughs> um, but they I, I don't know well how that's that's just in you yeah, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know what I'm asking well, you the but thing like, about, the thing about it is for me when I when I look at a Taj Mahal the Taj Mahal yeah. a, any person who's been in the game as long as he's been in there yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm, I wake up to it at 40. I can't catch him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or anybody, there's no way I'm going to catch him. Right, right. So yeah, but, I, we can, but I can't catch Chuck Berry. <laughs> <laughs> you can now. <laughs> no, 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 I can't catch me, but man. Like, but like, you know, you so, so, like, you got to, like, go, like, okay, uh, who am I in this moment? Right. Right. Who am I in this moment? And what do I, what do I need to do? Right now. Yeah. Right. To get to where I need to go. So right. I picked a few guys. I picked Robert Johnson. Um, Robert Johnson, Tampa Red, and Big Brim Bruzy, Muddy Waters. Those are the guys. I just went in on them guys. Oh, okay. Because I figured, and, I, and it was kind of like, if I could figure out the commonality between those four guys, yeah, what they were doing, yeah. and why it sounded like that, mm. and you know, plus having played a lot of, I had a lot of singers. I yeah, I had a lot of singers. Yeah. Which ones make the girls go crazy and which ones don't? Right. <laughs> That's very important in music. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? Yeah. Well, you just said, well, Whitaker was the only one that I think was out of the Delta. Robert was in the Delta, Muddy was in the Delta, and Big Bill Brunzi was like just across the river from the Delta mm-hmm. in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But Hudson yeah. Whitaker was from Florida. Huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah, ta- that lady's name was Tampa. 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 And but he but where did he end up? Where Chicago, right? Yeah. Yep. That Chuck Berry thing too. Like I said, I'm gonna never catch up with Todd <laughs> But what you're saying, you take the sounds and you integrate them into your own thing, yeah. you know. But that Chuck Berry bounce, I don't know how he does it. 
Oh, yeah, it's that, perfect. It's amazing. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's perfect. It was perfect back then. It's perfect now. I'm back. I I got a chance to do one of his tunes re- recently on a, a a John Lennon tribute. Yeah, and I was so thrilled. Which one? Um, uh, I did um um, Sweet Little Sixteen. Oh yeah. Oh, the band played perfect, man. Because you know, I mean, it's funny. You know, it's really if you go back and see mm-hmm. what you gotta see is him doing it on dance then because he says he says all over say. All, he takes the pick all over St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Just, just that move. Yeah. You know? Man, Chuck, Chuck had every single move where it was supposed to be. I just can't, I never understood how complex it was, really, oh, but it is. Yo, yeah. play him. Play it like he's playing it. Yeah, because I don't think he. I don't think he picks up. I think it, a lot of it's all down. Downstroke. Yeah. Right, right, and it makes a big difference. Yeah. Downstrokes like that, and then and, and with the, with the drum shuffling. Right, yeah. right. You know, and you right. think you think because his guitar is going like that because most bands no. go, especially Johnny, you go, they go right, right, and they got to swing a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. A whole bunch of them different guys played played drums on that. And what's really funny how. Willie Dixon played bass on so much stuff. On on on, but on Chuck stuff. Yeah, on Chuck stuff. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And but then the, for me, it's all good. But man, when he had that electric bass on uh, on Nadine, I was done. <laughs> yeah. Nadine. Yeah. Nadine, and and also too the the moon glows on. Whoa, whoa. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. almost grown. Whoa, whoa. You know I'm doing all right in school. Wow. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you see that movie with him and Keith? Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Like oh, yeah. Yeah, When Chuck is just schooling Keith Richards. And oh, they're yeah. Fighting. Well, well, no, but see, the trouble was that Keith made a terrible mistake. <laughs> the mistake he made was that Chuck wasn't in the dressing room. Yeah. And Keith went over to put his hands on Chuck's guitar. And that was it. Clutch. <laughs> <laughs> He turned around. <laughs> Chuck clocked him right in the clock. <laughs> you know what I'm and you know what? Keith was Keith was big enough man to say, "Hey, I deserved it. Yeah. I shouldn't put my." He said, "I should have known better than put my hands on yeah, it." Some some people don't like you touching their guitar. No, it, it, I, I touched my one of my favorite guitar players. Probably my favorite guitar player is David T. Walker. Oh yeah. And like I touched his guitar one time, and he kind of said, oh, "Well, you know, um, I kind of." really don't like people touching my guitar that much. <laughs> That's better than <laughs> and, 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 and It was kind of like a, it was kind of, it was a very friendly like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Rattlesnake. Yeah, I, I went, okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What do you, do you let people touch your guitar? I don't like them. Yeah. I don't like them. You Without can them. ask me if I think I want to. You, yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's interesting. Some people just go grab a guitar. Other people no, don't. You, no, you don't. You don't you, you, there's, there's certain things you just don't do. It's funny because yeah. I've had a few musicians come over and I had this. I don't know if it was this one. Maybe this one. I had a 335 in the living room once. And like I always feel better if someone comes in and grabs it. Like James Taylor came over and like, right away didn't even talk. Yeah. Just went over to the living room, started playing. I'm like, great, this is going to be good. Yeah. No, yeah. Young some people like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just not can't. everybody. There's one I got to touch it. And I, he didn't think that I was some freak people out. Rent, some people rent guitars. They don't. They, they don't even. They, they don't get like, attached yeah. to them. They go up and they get rent. We're yeah, just, we just rent some guitars when we get there. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess some people are very attached to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you like Larry Carlton, you play. Larry Carlton has. His guitar, you know, some people have their guitar. Right. They don't switch around. Right. It's like that's this is my guitar. Like yeah. David, he's like that. This Carlton's like very, that. It's a very huh? Carlton's like that. Yeah, Larry. Yeah. They have very, very most. They have a very relationship. I don't know if it's like a don't touch my guitar thing, but right. he has a very personal relationship 
We danced with him, yeah. Well, I yeah. guess uh, BB did too, but I think there was a lot of Lucille's. There's okay. yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. Just don't touch the one you got in his hand <laughs> <laughs> or in the dressing room or the one sitting next to the one. <laughs> sitting no. next to the one. Uh, it's like, it's like what, what, what was it? What Albert King says? Just put your hands on my Lucy. I don't know what I'm doing to you. I love Albert. Yeah, so Albert King did a lot of times too with the ass girl. Yeah, with that flying V. Oh, please. Yeah. Man, yeah. Well, you guys are doing great, and I think the new album's great. And this was a—I hope you had a fun time in here today. Oh yeah, yeah we did. We'll be back. All right, you can you can hang around for you. We you know want. where you live. Man. Right. Yeah right. <laughs> we, yeah right. And so, how many dates are you doing? Uh, what we got? I think it's ninety dates all. Oh my god! And it's over to a ten week ten week period. Okay, we're breaks. Going, we're going yeah. through um, uh, with breaks going through to October. And where, which website can people go look to see? Uh, Tajmo. Tajmo.com? Yeah. Yep. Thanks, fellas. I, you know, look, it was, it, I, I couldn't, I'm sorry. It, that, I, I love talking to those guys, but there was no way I could facilitate playing. I'm just glad we got that few seconds there with Taj. I can play. You want me to play some dirty, blues-oriented material? Okay. All right. Oh, uh, by the way, my Netflix special has a date, September 5th. All right, if you're still listening, September 5th is the date of my Netflix special. And just a little commentary that I didn't do at the top about our current political situation. Of course he knew. Of course. Of course. Okay, that's a... That's my political commentary. And now I'll get my rig set up and put my headphones, my earplugs in so I don't blow my ears out. God damn it. Boomer lives!